0: The Zappa thing is, is really just that, you know, my dad was big into Zappa, and so when I was a kid, there's there was a lot of my dad, I think, just wanting to listen to Frank Zappa, but then realizing somewhere that the goofiness of it actually made it kind of perfect for a child.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, totally.
0: And that, you know, okay, so some of the songs have, like, more risque adult themes or something like that, but when you're... You know, when you're seven, you don't really pick up on that stuff. You're mostly just thinking like boingy noises and doo-wop <laughs> choir vocal thing, you know. And and then he is a really, I mean, he was a great guitar player and mm. composer and all that. So I feel like there was just enough there that especially for, that, that as a child, the goofiness appealed where I thought like, oh, this, this totally fits in with liking like Ren and Stimpy. No, oh, yeah. And that kind of shit. And then as a teenager, there was enough of the Whoa, this guy's a really out there, you know, composer, songwriter, guitar player to fit into that teenage boy guitar obsession thing. Yeah. But then like once I got to Cal Arts and I started meeting other people who liked Frank Zappa, it was like, oh, I don't think I want to be a part of this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I it's that's funny. I I didn't I don't think I ever fell in or like knocked heads with the, a Zappa crowd.
0: <laughs> it was mostly through like I mean cuz Whale Crapple is a Zappa guy too. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I feel like somehow just like he knew all the other Sort of hobbit-looking Zappa people.
1: <laughs> he was able to um, draw. It was like uh like he played his flute and drew out the zap heads. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it seemed it always seemed like Will had the same sense of like, yeah, these guys are really fucking weird, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know they're they're nice or whatever. It was. No. Mo- I'm not saying that they were they weren't nice or anything, but it was more just that realization. Like, I have a lot of childhood adolescent affection for Frank Zappa, but I don't it's just never th- seemed like a good idea for me to try to do what he did mm. because if you do the hu- if you come at it from the humor angle it, i don't know humor it, it's a very it's a slippery yeah slippery territory cuz you can either and this would not be bad but it feels like you either end up going full joke <laughs> joke song route where you're like i guess either from like weird owl or Flight of the Concords or any number of explicitly humor music groups. Right. I mean, both Flight of the Conchords and Weird Al, I, I think, are great. So those are good examples, but it's like, all right, is that what you want to do? If not, then you probably end up in, like, Mike Patton territory. Oh, yeah. And I also like Mike Patton, but we don't need more than one Mike Patton. <laughs> yeah. One is plenty.
1: yeah. He's got such a, um, such a particular style, that yeah. too, that it would be pretty obvious if you were sort of taking the Pat, Mike, Patton, uh, Mike Patton route, you know?
0: Yeah, it would feel really like, okay, are you actually adding something to yeah. Mr. Or you, Bungle?
1: Yeah, or is it just emulation? I, mean, I yeah. can't think of any bands that probably did kind of take that vibe, aside Like parallels, like maybe John Zorn kind of has that sense of humor. Totally, yeah. But he he it, has it does, his own yeah. thing
0: too. I mean, it's funny because John Zorn is almost like a. I would almost say John Zorn. Yeah, maybe this is what you were saying. And but that that John Zorn is like would be the closest thing to Frank Zappa mm. because he has the the humorous stuff and the the really adolescent jokey. I mean Naked City mm, yeah not necessarily jokey in the Zappa way but it is very the the scattershot 30 second grindcore Kletzmer, free jazz yeah. thing feels like it's coming from the same
1: yeah i think so. like ideal there's of, there's humor yeah. in it there's humor in it but it's like absurd humor that's like yeah juxtaposed with like really graphic like Subject matter,
0: you uh, know, and harshness, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that then, like Zappa, too, you know, because there was all the silly Zappa, but then, especially, I think by the all stuff would have all been in the 80s, but you know, his more serious composition, mm, like orchestral stuff, his orchestral yeah. stuff, and all that, and like his some even some of his Synclavier music, um, you
1: know, I don't think I've ever heard that stuff.
0: I mean, it's unlistenable, but it's <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> But it's um, maybe
1: maybe it's fate has steered me away from the Saint Clair stuff. I do. I might want I to. I mean, it's get it's, it's valid as a. Yeah.
0: You know, I don't know <laughs> if it was meant to be listenable, but but then I'm just thinking because because so Zappa had his orchestral stuff, you know, in the '80s and his his Boulez and Varez and all that. Uh, yeah. His interest in those guys, and that feels almost like John Zorn has the parallel then with like yeah, so Naked City is the the more silly post punk. Uh, out there shit, but then he also, like all the, uh, like Masada, like all the, mm. the more restrained, serious, uh, like Jewish music, like this is my culture yeah. and I'm not joking and I'm I'm not making fun of anything here. This is sacred music or this is yeah. cultural heritage that I'm exploring. Uh, I was
1: actually surprised by like hearing that melodic stuff and like how, how like really reserved and beautiful it is yeah.
0: It's funny how when I was a teenager and first heard, you know, got from Patton to to John Zorn, I had no interest in, you know, any of the records with Hebrew letters on them. I'm like, I don't want to hear those. <laughs> and that now I'm like, I think I can never hear Naked City again and I would be just fine. But some <laughs> of those records with the Hebrew letters on them. <laughs> I'm all about. <laughs> yeah, those actually
1: hold up. Yeah, it's funny how uh, we go through these stages of our life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The exact thing you're, the thing you love, you flip and yeah. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of being 17 now.
1: Yeah. Well, there's like, there's an appreciation in film in that same way too. Like a lot of the films I didn't get when I was a kid, I'm looking, I look at now and I'm like, well, these are totally superior (laughs) to the things that I was thinking about. Just the subtlety of craft that comes out that you, you don't catch when you're you're so young, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I always try. Sometimes it's not its not always possible, but I at least try to be kind to teenage or 20s, you know, younger me mm. and, and <laughs> say, yeah, I, I kind of understand why you liked that, but <laughs> it's not good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Dude, it's, it's yeah. I, I wouldn't be where I am without the terrible stuff that I listened to in, like, middle school. (laughs)
0: Exactly. You know, and that's, I mean, it makes me think of, you remember Captain Ahab? Oh, yeah. You know, the, yeah. The reason I bring up Captain Ahab uh, for listeners, that was, uh, they seem to be very defunct, but it was um, Jonathan Snipes from Clipping, uh, Experimental Noise Rap Group Clipping, Uh, back when I was, uh, late teenager, early twenties, he had a, a group called Captain Ahab that was big in the LA noise world and all the, despite not being a noise band. Um, but their final album was called the end of irony, which I want (laughs) to say would have come out in 2010 or 11. So in actual experience, sort of peak irony, (laughs) um, in our broken, horrible culture that, that <laughs> you and I came of age in. Um, but, you know, the I remember seeing, there were a couple promo videos that Jonathan did around the time that that was coming out. And one of them, he was saying how uh, there really shouldn't be such a thing as a guilty pleasure, that our broken, horrible, hipster generation, peak Cobra Snake American Apparel, get molested by Dove Charney so that you can be a model on a bus billboard (laughs) ad that looks like child pornography. That culture (laughs) was all about um, irony and guilty pleasures and, and, oh, I really like Phil Collins, but I don't like Phil Collins because Phil Collins is terrible, but I also listen to Phil Collins all day. (laughs) And... You know, in excess is just so horrible. But I have this in excess tattoo, <laughs> and that kind of thing. And you know, Jonathan was the first person kind of coming from the you know because LA noise music, despite not being as overground as as uh, all the stuff I'm talking about there, you know, was still very much a feeder zone for the American apparel scene. And uh-huh. uh, so, so hearing somebody from that scene say. No, dude. Fuck that. You just like Phil Collins. Mm, yeah. You know. Yeah. Don't be don't be ashamed of it. Like, if if you're if you think there's something to be ashamed of in liking Phil Collins, maybe examine why you like Phil Collins. <laughs> Otherwise, you just like Phil Collins. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. And so so I I bring that up to say that that when I when I think back to. I don't know, various stages in my life, but the particular embarrassment of being a teenager in early 20s and all that where there's all kinds of uh inadvisable stuff that you get into. Uh yeah, just trying to say like, okay, maybe that band wasn't great or that movie was kind of stupid or that book was derivative and and all that, but it did lead you to the deeper, more enduring things that you became interested in later. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, and so that's always the sense of, you know...
1: Yeah, I don't know how people think about failure, but failure is, like, completely necessary. I mean, how would we know how to do stuff unless we, like, did trial and error? I think trial and error is so critical. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and trial and error in your youth with music and with art and stuff is so critical.
0: (laughs) I remember... um, it absolutely is. I remember having a an experience of this a few right before I left LA. Uh, it was the the second to last show I played in LA, and it was at. I guess this was before you you moved there. But did I ever point out the club, the CIA, to you? The the weird oh the yeah
1: place. But it was like. California Institute of the Arts
0: with <laughs> the club, the club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and where the owner denied ever knowing that there was a school called
1: that. That's like Wilco the band with Wilco the album, Wilco the song. Yeah. Do you know? No, yeah, exactly. This is like California Institute of the Arts, the club.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, or my group with Tim and Justin, Island's the restaurant, the band. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, that's still maybe my favorite fan name. That's a good one. Yeah, with, that's but, a good one. No, but uh, I bring up you know so so the CIA. I'd I'd had this residency there in two thousand seven eight around there, and it was a, an insane, tacky, ridiculous place. Uh, mm. You know the pre it, it, yeah, just uh, all kinds of actually fits in perfectly with the Patton aesthetic and the the John Zoran aesthetic and everything. So anyway. This was this is not about me and my former life
1: <laughs> playing <laughs> shows
0: in Los Angeles. But I bring this up to say that that one of the things I wanted to do before leaving LA was play there again. And so Ethan set up a gig and Sam and Vikram and I the one and only Luther Burbank show and whatever. But so the sound guy just had put on or what not before not where we were doing sound check, where we were loading in and everything. The sound guy just had put his phone on playing some Spotify playlist and it was a lot of New Wave, uh, 80s-type stuff. And Blue Monday came on, of course, New Order song. And that song is great, and everybody loves it. You know, we were, oh, nice, Blue Monday. And I said something, you know, oh, yeah, uh, not going to pretend the first time I heard this song wasn't the orgy version. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from Candy <laughs> Ass, the orgy <laughs> album in 1999 yeah. or... And this this woman from one of the other groups gave me this withering mm-hmm. stare. She just looked at me and went, "Ugh." <laughs> and I just had this thought of like looking at her and I was like, "You're younger than me." Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, just you
0: don't, like, what do you come on? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, just give her a few years and then she'll get into orgy. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, <laughs> dude. I stand by Candy Ass. I actually like that album. I think I think Orgy is a terrible band. I mean, like I think they're a terrible band. But I think Candy Ass is a good album. They made one good album, and then yeah, yeah. and
0: that cover rules. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, it's a great cover. Yeah.
0: And I'm not going to pretend that Blue Monday, Sweet Dreams, Tainted Love, that yeah. these weren't all songs I heard in cover form. Right. By a new metal artist.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And because. I was born in the 80s. You know, like, I was born when Blue Monday came out or whatever. So, like, how the fuck was I supposed to hear Blue Monday (laughs) in the original version? Yeah. You know, I guess I just said I grew up with Frank Zappa, so maybe I was supposed to have had, like, cooler parents who gave me (laughs) Depeche Mode and orchestral maneuvers oh. in the dark albums
1: or whatever but well i mean it seems like you had cool parents giving you stuff
0: oh i definitely i'm sure they're listening i mean, to this I,
1: mean I definitely know. i definitely got fed genesis <laughs> hey
0: genesis is and great it's <laughs>
1: sick actually i just listened to genesis yesterday <laughs>
0: yeah genesis is awesome hell yeah <laughs> but, but yeah just i remember thinking that it it when, this, when that woman in that other band gave me that, like, ugh moment, I felt like, hmm. what is this, 2008 again? Yeah. Like, we're doing the hipster thing? We're doing—we're fucking past that, man. Yeah. Like, we're really doing the thing where we're supposed to pretend that even though we're all broken millennials, that we were, like, around <laughs> the first time everything came out, and that our opinions about— which, you know, actually Presence by Led Zeppelin is an underrated album that that didn't come from some fucking Wire article we read. (laughs) It's like all our hot takes or all our whatever came from somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Because we grew up on, we watched Donnie Darko before we watched Mulholland Drive. (laughs) And Donnie Darko is bad, but we did watch it (laughs) before we knew about better movies. Yeah.
1: And we thought it was awesome. Yeah, we thought
0: we, you know, 15 year old boys (laughs) were talking about fucking Fight Club and Donnie Darko and all these things like they were revelations.
1: Absolutely. And
0: then we found out about existentialism and were like, oh, Fight Club is less interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Fight Club's actually, but still. it's one of those movies I don't want to, for social reasons, I yeah. don't ever want to talk to men who like Fight Club, but...
1: <laughs> it is David Fincher, though. It's David Fincher. And Fincher is pretty good. I like David Fincher a lot, so... It has a really yeah.
0: solid aesthetic. The music yeah. is good. Yeah. Um, the Dust Brothers... You know, Beetle, uh, Beatles producers, Jesus Christ. Uh, Beastie Boys <laughs> producers, <laughs> the Dust Brothers.
1: I didn't know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they produced the Beatles. Um, and a good cast, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, kind <clears> of <throat> peak Brad Pitt and Helen, pre-Tim Burton oversaturation, Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Meatloaf. Uh Yeah. Oh, and you get to see Jared Leto get his ass kicked, which is always satisfying.
1: (laughs) Oh, dude. Well, so like we can keep going with the new metal theme. I went and saw Seven Dust one time when I was a kid and my friend got like backstage passes kind of thing where you get to meet the band and stuff. But 30 Seconds to Mars opened up. Mm. (laughs) It was so funny uh, because my one friend was like an unapologetic like metalhead slayer metallica metal and and i but i was into new metal so i was like into seven dust i think he took me along because he's like i'm not i don't listen to seven dust so much but we go but you'll like it, you'll like it yeah and of course i did yeah um but we were standing in the crowd and jared leto got off the stage to like move through the crowd and like sing you know in this like real like diva-ish rock star way (laughs) and so people were kind of getting out of the way but my friend just stood there cross-armed <laughs> like and wouldn't fucking move and Jared Leto got like with in the microphone like right up in his face and started singing like real angrily and i was like whoa this is crazy and i didn't know it was jared like i didn't know who jared leto was i just yeah and it was this band that i didn't really care about
0: <laughs> there was a the, the closest the 130 seconds to Mars story i have is that there was a diner that i went to periodically in like two thousand seven or something like that, uh, because it was in the in the ground level of the doctor's office that I was going to <laughs> around then. And I noticed at one point that they just all the photo. you know how sometimes diners or delis or things like that will have photos of the regular sort oh, yeah. of or dry yeah, dry cleaners will do this. Jay Leno comes yeah. here and here's an autograph photo or something I was like Wow, it's just only pictures of Thirty Seconds to Mars. <laughs> um, there's no other other autograph pictures or anything, like articles about Thirty Seconds to Mars. There's all, all this kind of stuff. And then eventually I said something. It was like to the you know, you'd pay at the counter when you were done, and I was Oh, you you really like Thirty Seconds to Mars? And the woman was like, That's my son. It's like <laughs> Oh and He's like the the bass player or something.
1: Oh, nice, Um, nice.
0: They were Slovenian or somewhere from Eastern Europe, and uh, so it's then like, oh, okay. I was wondering why this. Older Eastern European couple (laughs) was just really into 30 Seconds to Mars. It's like, okay, it's your son. That's totally fair.
1: Good thing you didn't walk up and be like, why do you have pictures of this shitty band everywhere?
0: (laughs) Stupid fucking band. Stupid fucking band name. I'm in a band called Islands the Restaurant the Band, and I think your son's (laughs) band has a stupid name. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, to, okay so jared leto it, as a as a band as a singer is not my cup of tea no and and he also does a lot of movies that i don't care about but when he hits it he's pretty good in certain movies i think i do dig
0: unfortunately it. that is true yeah
1: <laughs> you gotta give credit where credit is due and he has done yeah. it well yeah
0: i know it is it's i just want i do hate him and i (laughs) want it to be fully justified yeah it's like ah fuck no you you are you do have some talent not in music but in acting (laughs) yeah